Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Boom. Good afternoon, Zinger Nation. Welcome aboard the Moon or Bust Rocket Ship, your hub for all things altcoins and DeFi. My name is Logan Ross, and I will be your captain on today's space flight, okay? I'm going to be co-piloted by DeFi developer Brian Moore and Exit Liquidity. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, um, the Ape. best trader in the world. Yes, Mutant number Ape, one Dex trader. Ryan McNamara, number one, number one Dex trader. Um, awesome. So welcome, guys. How are you doing today? Good. How's it salty. going, my captain? <laughs> oh, captain, my captain. Why are you I'm salty, good. Brian? Why? Yeah. Because I, I uh, lost the 12th word of one of my seed phrases for a wallet. I can't figure out how to get it. And so I'm, I got to do some DeFi developing. To Dang, figure you, it really, out. you really do, some huh? DeFi That's a good, good time to bring up. Not your keys. Not, always keep your private keys and your seed phrases safe, okay? Um, okay, so we're going to talk about Cardano today. We're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff. Uh, but before we can take off, before we can blast off, uh, I need to go over some general safety procedures, okay? So please keep your arms and legs uh, and portfolios inside the vehicle at all times. Uh, and those who are willing and able, please flip your like button into the on position. Uh, it, it does a lot for the show. If you're new around here, make sure to subscribe to the Benzinga channel. And check out the description while you're down there. The top link is the Benzinga Crypto separate YouTube channel where you can get all the, the specific crypto clips. Uh, and then there's also, let's see, we got the Telegram down there. We got the merch link down there. Pick up your sick ETH hat. Uh, and we got a 25% off discount code coming at you if you join the Telegram, which is also linked down below. We also have a Moon or Bus game, uh, which is really cool. Um, Ryan and I helped uh, help to build this, and, and you can click Moon or Bus. You can vote on all your favorite tokens. We're trying to get the community involved here, so check that out as well. Uh, go make your votes. Check out the website. There's also all of our old videos there. We've talked to Tim Draper. We've talked to BitBoy. we talked to the creators of Axie Infinity, so go check that stuff out. Uh, you really don't want to miss it. There's a lot of valuable info there. As always, make sure to connect with us on Twitter. You can see our handles. Uh, hit us up if you got some questions, you want to know our thoughts. Um, and also, we want to know your thoughts. So what, what projects are you looking at this week? Drop them in the comments below. Um, projects, tickers, whatever you got for us. We want to see it and, and we'll try to talk about them if we get some time today. Uh, we also have a sweet interview coming up with tokens.com. Uh, we have Andrew Kegel coming on, the CEO of the company, talk to us about how he's giving DeFi access, DeFi uh, um, uh, exposure to these institutional retail uh, investors. It's really cool. Uh, so stay tuned for all that. But first up on the docket, uh, we have Cardano smart contracts launching. Uh, kind of, kind of unexciting here. I don't want to say it's like the challenger, uh, but um, Ryan, why don't you just tell us what happened? Hey. Cardano said September 12th for smart contracts, and they delivered. They brought us some smart contracts. They had a successful hard fork, the Alonzo hard fork. So now there are smart contracts on Cardano. So that's really cool. The ETH, the ETH maxis can't say that Cardano doesn't have smart contracts anymore. So you know, I can't make that argument, which I guess is good. But it seems like they might only be able to process one transaction at a time. Cardano's been having some trouble doing concurrent transactions, which is very necessary for DeFi. So although these smart contracts are out, there aren't very many DeFi applications that you can use on Cardano. We were looking over this morning, trying to find one we mm -hmm. could go over on the show. We couldn't find any dApps on Cardano that are up and running. Now, I saw that MinSwap, one of the automated market makers on Cardano, was up for a little bit. But they were having problems with their smart contracts. Like I said, they weren't able to run concurrent transactions. So they weren't able to run more than one transaction at a time on their platform. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if that's been fixed yet, but these applications are not up and running from what I can see. Uh, if you have any dApps on Cardano that are up and running, put them in the chat. Maybe we can have a second to go over them, look at them, see what they're all about. Uh, but as of now, it seems pretty lackluster. And I think Cardano's price shows that we're dipping down. I didn't check today, but I think we're, we're what, low $2 now? We hit $3 last week. So I, I don't think it's looking too good for Cardano after all of this hype. And now they're having problems <coughs> after launch. Uh, what do you guys think? You guys are the ADA investors. You're bullish on Cardano. <laughs> How do you think this plays out? Brian, you want to take this one or you want me to go for it? <clears throat> Yeah, I can uh, say a few things. Well, one thing is a, a comment from the just ADA, you know, the foundation, the people who 
tried to do the who added the smart contracts and everything like that they said that this is just now it's just getting started and so there's a lot of room to run here and i don't think they want to put out a subpar um product or anything but one one thing that gives me pause is that why why didn't they have this already ready to go for the date that they established and why wasn't it a little bit more feature rich than it actually is that's it's not really concerning but kind of annoying because it's like come on let's let's get this party started let's go for it you have so much money there's all these people invested in it. there's all these eyes looking on it there's all this help there's the one of the co-founders of ethereum's heading it off so like what's the hold up that's my question yeah, for sure. And we saw them deploy smart contracts on their test net uh, like a couple of weeks ago. We saw these same issues going on. Uh, and it's really amazing to me that they didn't fix it or, or delay the launch. Um, in, in you know, Cardano has dropped 11% today, 14, almost 15% on the seven day. It's down to 242 right now. Uh, so people are saying Cardano smart contracts weren't priced in. I don't know about that. It kind of looks like they were and they're, they're, um, Flawed execution has kind of taken a share out of their market cap, which I mean makes sense to me. Why are they worth $78 billion when Solana is worth $46 billion? They have this active e uh, DeFi ecosystem. Solana has $11 billion in, in TVL, like locked in protocols, uh, whereas Cardano has nothing. They have, they have a, a large amount of, their, um, of the ADA staked uh, for validating the network. But that shouldn't come as a surprise because what else can you do with Cardano at this point? There's no other way to, to make money on it. Like there's all these different applications on Ethereum and Solana uh, where you can get higher returns than, than just securing the network. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of disappointing to see this happen. I, I'd like to see, uh, you know, them kind of fill out the potential, fill out uh, the, the reasoning that they're, they're justified why their market cap is almost $80 billion. Um, I think that they have yeah. a uh, there. You can tell that these guys are developers. You can tell that they are on the, you know, the technical side and know how to make things happen, but are not good at marketing. They are not good at, you know, letting people know exactly on. what's going I, on. I kind of disagree. I kind of disagree because if they're the good, if they're good at the technicals, uh, then why aren't their smart contracts working? Why isn't the the ecosystem there? The, their main strength, I think, is marketing, and Charles Hoskinson's leading the way, right? All the all these people, all these Cardano lovers, lo like love the project because smart contracts and Charles Hoskinson, right? That's not they have no other like justification, um, and, and so I don't know. I'd like to see more happen. Well, what I think, what what I was gonna say was, it, this looks like it was just the date the hard fork was gonna be launched. It wasn't the date that, you know, all the smart contracts, everything's going to be working correctly. Everything's going to be this crazy new Ethereum, all this other stuff. It was just the date that they were going to do the hard fork and start the process. <clears throat> and I don't mm -hmm. think that they made that, you know, known to mm -hmm. all their holders, to, you know, anybody. They just kind of, you know, everyone expected it to go this full route in this full, like, you know, smart contracts, transactions, all this stuff. And to be just like Ethereum or Solana or any, any of the others, but it looks like it was just they did the hard fork and they, you know, now we start. But, you know, that's just my thought on it. It was definitely an interesting decision by Cardano not to delay the smart contract. You know, they knew it wasn't working. It was on the test net. So, I mean, they had to expect that these dApps weren't going to work when they when they issued this hard fork. So why not delay? I mean, they get a lot of flack, especially on social media, about overpromising and under delivering. I think this is one of those cases. But I think they probably should have delayed the hard fork because then the dApps could come out when smart contracts are running on the ecosystem. And it seems to me that would be a lot smoother way to do it than release these smart contracts that nobody can really use right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we got, we got a couple uh, comments, one from HD5000 explaining but about the unspent transaction guys, right? model. Oh, whoa. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so... The, the unspent transaction uh, model is what Cardano has implemented, and it's the reason that these DeFi apps are having these problems. It's supposedly intentional, supposedly supposed to be bringing benefits, uh, but we'll need to see uh, some some sort of alternative to enable these DeFi applications, you know? Um, let's see, what else do we have here? So is it a problem with the developers that are building these decentralized applications then, and not technically Cardano smart contracts? 
I don't think it's a problem with the with like the developers building like incorrectly. I think it's just the model that Cardano has chosen uh, isn't capable of handling this. It's it's a different model from Ethereum, and it's uh, unable to like DApps aren't able to do multiple interactions with them within one block is basically the gist of it. I'm not uh, super technical. I'm not an expert specifically on the, these deep uh, portions of Cardano. I, um, if you guys know out there, please do drop some comments, let us know uh, so we can, you know, get all of our facts straight here. But um, <clears throat> we'll have to see what they do in the future because without the, the, the DeFi ecosystem mirroring Ethereum, mirroring Solana, it's going to be interesting to see what use cases they're able to pick up instead. So um, that's what I have for today on Cardano. Well, we can look at the prices or we can move on to to the Arbitrum news. Uh, what are you guys feeling? Either way. Yeah, um, maybe pull up the prices anyways. We can keep them on screen so we can maybe go over some layer twos and their prices. And then we can go over and look at how Litecoin has been affected by this recent Walmart news. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I will right. say one thing about the last thing I'll say about the ADA thing, because someone just mentioned uh, ADA tokenizer.io and I am on that site and uh, it is in beta, <clears throat> but we're not saying that the Cardano does not have smart contracts. They do have smart contracts. They're just not what we would expect from the co-creator of Ethereum, but you know, it's just not ready yet. And it, it wasn't known how far it would go. So it's it's still in a process, and eventually it will be what we all want it to be, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, hopefully we'll see some decentralized exchanges popping up soon. Uh, I know a lot of people are bullish on Sunday Swap. like to see that launch, uh, and I'd like to use it. I'd like to get my hands on it and start being active in the, in the ecosystem. And there's definitely a lot of opportunities within Cardano's ecosystem. Hopefully there's going to be some airdrops coming out. So if you're an early adapter to any of these different programs on Cardano, there is a possibility that you could get airdrops some tokens, which would be really cool. Everybody loves free money. Just don't tell the SDC about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so here, oh, this is Bitcoin. I was uh, on Cardano for a second there. I don't know what happened. ADA, you were on Upbit though, first. Logan. Do you see one maybe for Coinbase? Binance, yeah, here's Binance. Yeah. this will do um so these are the weekly candles right here so i was ripping through july uh and now it's a correction i mean i don't, I don't necessarily think that this is like entirely the fault of the smart contracts no i think uh, it's it profit taking pretty high yeah it's it, there could be a lot of profit taking <laughs> mixed in here uh, i don't want to to create any untrue fud um, but we'll keep our eyes peeled on this situation. We'll keep you all updated. And we also want to know uh, what you guys think about it. Um, and maybe you could even come on and, and chat with us. Hit us up on Twitter if that sounds like you. Um, okay, so let's talk about Litecoin next. Yes. We can go over to Litecoin and then we can talk about Arbitrum and Layer 2s after. Okay, cool. We did Pull just the daily paper. candles. Or yeah, 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 that's what I was about to do. For show, for show. <laughs> nice um look at that. okay so, so if you guys have been living under a rock for the past six hours <laughs> litecoin is not being accepted by walmart so it was <laughs> fake news it got picked up by a lot of different publications lots of stuff came out but then uh, the ceo of walmart went on to cnbc to clear up the news it's not actually happening it's fake news and the most concerning part about this at least in my opinion is that litecoin the litecoin foundation actually tweeted about this partnership this morning saying that walmart will be accepting them as a payment option and then later deleted that tweet so i don't know who sent that tweet out who was able to do that but it was completely fake news and it was pumped by the litecoin foundation themselves so i mean mm -hmm. people are talking about this being a facilitator for some more regulation coming in the space i mean that man i see that because what we were at less than 180 $80. This news pumped the price up to $236. And then once people found out it was fake news, we're right back down to under $180. So if you're able to catch that move, pick up on the fake news. Short Litecoin, you probably made some good money, but you got to stay up to date with this news. What do you guys think? Do you think this might cause some more regulation in the future? I mean, it's really the news publication's fault for not verifying any of this information. But at the same time, Litecoin really shouldn't have tweeted about it. I mean, they're obviously wrong for that. Pumping fake news for their own coin, not a good look whatsoever. I think there's a little, probably a lot more backstory to this that we probably won't know. 
because it seems like yeah. such a big deal. And if Litecoin Foundation is pumping it, I mean, it is like announcing it, then there's something else going on. Or yeah, it got the Twitter account got hacked, but that newswire is from kind of a reputable source. And so they immediately, well, not immediately, but like a few hours, an hour or so later, they put a disclaimer, say, hey, this is not true. Um, Litecoin is not being accepted by Walmart, but it's pretty fishy. It's weird. Interesting. It is weird. If you, what do you guys think? If Walmart decided to accept cryptocurrencies, would they go with Litecoin or would they go with something else? No. And well, they're also hiring for a blockchain developer and a cryptocurrency expert. So they, they're trying to create their own. So why would you accept Litecoin out of all of them? You know, it's just, it, it's just weird all around. All right, let us know what you guys think about this situation. Would Walmart take Litecoin? Would they take Bitcoin? Ethereum, Cardano, what's going to be the move here? Um, but probably for Dogecoin. now, we have... Con- pro- yeah, probably Dogecoin. That's probably Dogecoin. I mean, that's, that's from a, from a, like a technological perspective, Dogecoin is the most advanced cryptocurrency in existence. Um, cap. Slammer, that's cap. A <laughs> uh, whole lot of cap up in here so i want to talk about adam real quick uh adam has seen a new all-time high today uh which is dope we've talked to the creators or, or some of the lead developers on the cosmos blockchain on the cosmos protocol um we talked to them or a couple months ago earlier this year we talked to dennis fadiv as well who's also working on the team uh maybe like one month ago now so go check out those interviews uh if you haven't seen them yet uh, they're really, really cool. Adam is a crazy project. It's all about blockchain interoperability, right? So there's a lot of blockchain maximalists. They say Bitcoin's the way to go. Ethereum's the way to go. Solana's the way to go. Uh, and then Cosmos comes over here and says, oh, yeah, well, the, the demand for blockchain space will probably grow to fill all these blockchains. So eventually we'll need to connect them. We'll need to have room for application-specific chains. Uh, that can lower fees and, and all be connected through a hub. So Cosmos blockchain is the central hub that all these other blockchains are plugged into. If you're familiar, familiar with Polkadot, they got something very similar going on. Um, but we're seeing this Atom token rip. I mean, we interviewed them when, when the coin was down here. Uh, it was such an interesting project to me that I was picking it up in these ranges. Uh, so now, now we're doing really well. This is a good day for me. Look at these. This is, these are the weekly candles here. These past three have just been nuts. Um, you guys, did you guys pick up any Adam? I've been holding Adam since it was about at four dollars, <throat> so I'm, I'm pretty Jeez. happy with it all. Very nice. I don't have any Adam, and I mean, it looks like it might be too late, but you never know. It looks like we're in price discovery right now, and like we saw with Solana, after we crossed those all-time highs, we just ripped. We went up another two, three hundred percent after that. There's really no telling where the price goes once we pass all-time highs, especially when we're not in a bull market per se with Bitcoin and Ethereum at new all-time highs. I mean, typically these altcoins will follow the market, but when when the few that don't, don't and go to new all-time highs, a lot of times we see really big gains. So I'm, I'm interested to see where Adam goes. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw $50, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, neither would I. Uh, so yeah, that's another one we wanted to point out today. Let's see. Should we talk about Arbitrum? We have about 10 minutes uh, left before this interview, more like eight. I'm going to take my, my screen share off real quick. Maybe we could talk about Arbitrum uh, on Ethereum. Yeah, man. Arbitrum's been picking up a lot of traction. There's over $1.5 billion locked within its ecosystem. It's a layer two scaling sol- solution. It's a lot like optimism. So you you bridge your assets onto the chain, the side chain. I guess it's not technically a side chain. It's a layer two, right, Logan? It is a layer two, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there's $1.5 billion locked. Most of this it was interesting. I was looking to see where all this money was going within the Arbitrum ecosystem. And most of it was going to this program called Arbitrum. So it's like a Nyan cat themed yield farming <laughs> protocol on Arbitrum. Uh, so since it's a layer two solution, the fees on it are much cheaper. So you can actually yield farm much more efficiently than, say, on Ethereum's blockchain. Uh, but this the price of this Arbitrum token went from like, 50 cents, 40 cents, all the way up to like $8 within just a few days and has since dumped back down to around 80 cents. So we were seeing super high volatility on this token. And it's going to be interesting to see whether these yield farmers stay in Arbonion with the price down so much now. But 
either way, $1.5 billion locked in an ecosystem that's been around. Well, I guess the ecosystem really is Ethereum, but the, the Arbitrum gateway has been around for less than a week now. And we're seeing already over a billion dollars locked on the platform, which is just absurd to me. I mean, it took forever to see Solana reach a billion dollars and now they're at 10 billion. So we'll see where this growth goes, but it's looking really good for Arbitrum. It is looking good for Arbitrum. And uh, they sucked a lot of the volume out of some of the other bridges, specifically those to Solana yeah. uh, and, and those to, I think, Brian, what was the other one there? And do you remember what the name of that site was where we could see them all? Uh, I don't remember, no. You mean Optimism? Yeah, it Solana. It was <clears throat> Polygon and Solana, I think. And then there was yeah, one Polygon. Other. That sounds right. But there were three, and they were down like 30%, 40%, and 60% while Arbitrum was mm-hmm. up. So it looks like a lot of this money coming from other layer one scaling solutions like Solana are actually flowing back into Ethereum's ecosystem and using these layer two solutions like Arbitrum and Optimism. Mainly Arbitrum right now, I haven't checked how much total value is locked on Optimism, but I don't think it's at a billion dollars. I actually know it's not at a billion dollars yet because with all the layer twos out right now, Arbitrum has 60% of the total value locked. So compared to its competitors, it has the most by far, which is very impressive. I'm not actually quite sure why. Why do you guys think that Arbitrum is the one seeing adoption? I mean, it's pretty well, similar one, to Optimism from what well, I've Well, seen. one thing is it's under the same umbrella as Optimism. So it's owned by the same parent, well, funded by the same parent company. So they're not technically competitors, but they do very similar things. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what why one is better than the other besides it going down to more, you know, better marketing, better selling points and just, you know, catching the right niches and places to go. But that is one interesting fact, though, because they're both kind of in the same family that it, it's weird that they would. I, I mean, I, I really do not know. I'm guessing the Arbitrum has more. Uh, like volume available, more space available uh, for processing. If I had to guess, that would be the reason uh, that it's beating out optimism at this point. Um, but they do use the same, <clears throat> excuse me, the same technology, the optimistic rollups. Um, and Ryan, I found L2 beat right here. Uh, and we can see there's $2.2 billion locked in Arbitrum, up 3,000% over the past cool. seven days. That's pretty good. I wish I could do that. Yeah. And I haven't used Arbitrum yet, but Logan, I think you're right. I think it is cheaper to use Arbitrum than Optimism right now. I went in, I did a transaction on Optimism on Uniswap the other day, actually just yesterday, and it actually was kind of expensive. It was like 0.0012 ETH, which is probably around two to four dollars, which you know it's not bad, but compared to Solana, which is like one cent, it definitely doesn't really compete. It's still kind of expensive, especially if you're doing a lot of transactions. Now it's nowhere close to Ethereum. That's thirty, fifty dollars a transaction, but you get that security with Ethereum. I don't think they're really competitors whatsoever. I think these layer twos are really competing with Solana and Binance Smart Chain and those other proof of stake smart contract blockchains. Yeah, Ethereum killer killer question mark. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is our market update for you today. We have Andrew Kugel backstage right now uh, from tokens.com. So I'm going to bring him on uh, right now. Andrew, welcome to Moon or Bust. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing great. Thank you. Uh, I was picking so, up on that, uh, that conversation yeah, yeah. you guys having. Yeah, some, uh, some interesting stuff going on. So Yeah. Yeah, what do you think about the whole uh, Layer 2 ecosystem? Are they the Ethereum killer killers? You know, I don't know. I think as Ethereum, I mean, if you look at what my company does, which is staking, I think that Ethereum can't move to staking quickly enough, right? So mm-hmm. Ethereum is trying to defend its market position by moving away from proof of work to proof of stake. And, you know, ETH 2.0 is doing that. You know, they just had that, that London upgrade. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hard to predict. Indeed it is. Uh, so, Andrew, for those out there who haven't Fun heard to of, of hardtokens.com uh, or heard of Ryan, can you, can you guys hear me? Am I cutting out? Yeah, you're fine. Okay. No, you're good. Now. Um, so, Andrew, so those who haven't heard about tokens.com, uh, could you tell us a little about yourself, your background coming from Chile and how you got into crypto? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, yeah, so I was born in Chile, but that doesn't have much to do with my crypto. But um, <laughs> I'll tell you the story. I was, a, I was an investment banker in Toronto back uh, in 20, in, for two decades. And I got really interested in crypto back in 2016, 2017. And the gap that I found is you have all these people who like to invest via the public market. So like the Robin Hood type people, public market institutions and mutual funds. And they didn't really have a way of investing because the level of sophistication that you guys were just talking about, most people don't have that. They don't have the time to do that or the ability to do it. Instead, they just want an easy stock that they can buy, trade. It's easy to account through the taxes for and all that stuff. And so back then, um, there wasn't a lot of ways for public market people to get exposure to Bitcoin. So myself and some other guys, um, you know, probably heard of a couple of the other guys, um, Mike Novogratz, created a company called HUD8. And HUD8 was really a Bitcoin miner. I think it was the first public Bitcoin miner. And the main thing that made it different from all the other mining companies is keep the Bitcoin that you mine as much of it as you can, you know, pay the electricity, do that, but keep the Bitcoin. And today, uh, HUD8 has a, what, about one and a half billion dollar market cap. And I think outside of like uh, MicroStrategy and maybe Tesla owns and holds uh, more Bitcoin than any other public company in the world, like a tremendous amount of Bitcoin. The one thing, though, that I started recognizing last year, and it goes back to what you guys are talking about, is, you know, you try and take a step back and like, what are the big trends happening in, in crypto and DeFi and NFTs? Here's the problem. You can't process this stuff really on proof of work. Like you see the difficulties that ETH is having with it, which is why they're transitioning. And proof of stake can process 100,000 transactions per second, whereas crypto mining can only do about 15. That's a big difference going from one five to 100,000. And so I decided to make the leap from going from a proof of work company to a proof of stake company because I'm like, this is where the future is going. Like nobody built anything on proof of work anymore. Like when's the last time anybody launched a blockchain on proof of work? Like Cardano, Solanas, everything is staking now. So if you look to the future and again to that thought of how do you give people in the public markets easy exposure to this? Um, we created tokens.com. So we're a public company. And we take our, our money and we buy tokens and we stake them. So we got big positions in ETH, Binance, um, Polkadot, and Oasis. And we're also doing some uh, liquidity uh, farming, yield farming stuff with the Axie Infinity uh, shards, which nice. you get the AXS, which you guys are probably familiar with. And I think we might be the only public company in the world that owns that and gives its investors exposure to that. And so that's what we're trying to do. Like it's easy to get exposure to Bitcoin. I always find it amazing. In Canada, they launched a Bitcoin ETF earlier this year, and Bitcoin's probably the easiest thing for someone to buy, yet the ETF attracted a billion dollars in 24 hours. You know, all of these funds that are out there, the money keeps pouring in, which just leads me to believe that my thesis, which is people prefer to have something public that they can buy through Robinhood or their online trader or through their broker and have it sit with the rest of their money as opposed to going and doing some of the work to figure it out themselves. There you go. So you are basically the micro strategy of DeFi, uh, giving all these. So would you say your main audience is retail then, or would it be, would it be institutional? You know what? It's both. Um, the largest tech mutual fund in Canada uh, uh, called CI Signature, they manage billions of dollars. They came to us and said, we really like Polkadot. But as a fund, the way we're structured, we can't, we don't have the capability to go out and buy Polkadot. This is before DOT was trading on, on Coinbase and it's hard for people to get. But for them, it's also like, we don't know how to get it. We don't know how to secure it. Mm -hmm. You guys are liquid. You're staking it. You're making a yield off it. And we can have liquidity through you. And so they went and they asked their compliance department. They said, how much of this company can we buy? They want to buy as much of us as they could. But, but you're right. That's a good example. We are like the micro strategy of DeFi. The big difference is, is I don't think Michael Saylor is making any money off his Bitcoin that he sits on. We are actually uh, so far this year, just on our staking, 
we're up about, uh, I think it's close to 25% on our cost basis on just staking rewards. Now, it's not the 3,000% that you guys were showing before, but we're a little more conservative. And our assets, look, crypto is volatile, but our assets are up over 70% since uh, the end of Q2. So just for uh, July, August, and into September, we're up 70%. So the assets that we use to create revenue are up by 70%. And then those assets have created another 24% in new tokens for us. So I think it's a pretty good business model. You know, we're looking to grow it and definitely there's interest. I always tell people, if you want to get exposure to Bitcoin, there's funds, there's crypto miners. If you want exchanges, they're out there. But if you want to get public market exposure to altcoins and specifically DeFi tokens, um, there's not a lot of choices for you if you're more like a newbie or you just don't want to go do the work yourself. That's awesome. So you mentioned that you stake to get extra cryptocurrency in your portfolio, which is obviously a great idea. But do you guys use any other DeFi applications outside of actually validating networks to earn any passive income on your holdings? Yeah, so we own uh, a bunch of uh, uh, Bitcoin. Um, not, not a huge position, but like a relatively decent position. So we go on like PancakeSwap and some of those places. And I think we're earning, at last check, we were earning about 14% on it. So that would be more of our, our active strategy. But generally speaking, our, our core strategy is, is buy, stake, and hold. And um, like I said, not a ton of stuff. Like we really like Polkadot. Um, I think we miss Solana. Solana is a, a really good one. You know, all these guys are trying to see, you know, who can replace, you know, ETH. And, and there's a lot of good contenders out there. I'm sure you guys I saw you were talking about the Cardano smart contract launch. And, um, you know, there's, there's a ton of cool things going on out there. Um, I don't think anybody knows where things will ultimately result, but I can guarantee in 12 months we'll be having some very interesting conversations. I think you're right. <clears throat> totally. And I see that you guys are also invested into NFT gaming as part of your portfolio. So I saw you guys are, are invested in Axie Infinity and Smooth, Smooth Love Potion, which is another token yeah. on Axie Infinity. Are you guys involved with the scholarship program at all on Axie Infinity? Like, do you actually take these assets and, and rent them out to players? Or how do you make the yield on your NFT gaming platform plays? Yeah. So I think right now what we're doing is just we're part of the liquidity pools. Um, so we're sort of like yield farming it. Uh, that's what we're doing. So the, the returns on the on the smooth love potion, the returns have been exceptional on the yield side, but the performance has not been awesome in the last uh, couple months. Uh, kind of the reverse on the AXS, we're seeing amazing appreciation. I think since we bought it, it's up about sixty five percent or something. But the the yields on it in terms of the liquidity pools is only like 23 percent. Uh, still really great. You know, it's funny in, in, in this world, having been a banker for a long time, if you were to make like eight to 10% in a year, you'd be like real happy. Yeah. You'd be like, I just had a great year. I think crypto makes you a little bit nutty in that, you, you, you know, you go through like May and June where everything drops by 60, 70% and you get really upset and then all of a sudden everything's up and you're, you know, you're always aiming for these big returns, but, but these are good products. And if you look at the, the big trend of NFTs, and DeFi, what's happening, I think um, it's not just short-term gains. I think there's like real legitimate value here to what's being created and done. Yeah, I mean, making 25% interest, 25% uh, of your return on, on interest alone uh, must have the traditional financial system quaking uh, in their boots. Um, but I'm curious, what got you into Axie Infinity? Was it the, you know, the big picture NFT uh, play long-term or was it the staking rewards? Um, what about Axie specifically got you into it? Yeah, I think um, it's a good question. We, we were looking for ways to play the NFT space. And what we will never do at Tokens, at least for now, is we're never going to just buy an NFT, park it on our balance sheet and sort of hope that it goes up. Um, we're always looking for assets that we can buy. That's A, we look at the trend. Like what are the, what are the high level trends happening in crypto? And then we look at what are the assets that we can buy that will appreciate as a result of those trends. And then the number three criteria is, can we use technology to earn revenue off it? And those are really the three things we're looking for. It has to meet that criteria. And so when we looked at what was happening with the, you know, Axie Infinity and the AXS and that, and Mark Cuban behind it, we just thought that was interesting. We decided to dip our toe in and get some exposure. We're looking at other cool things. Uh, I'm sure you guys have talked about, but we're looking at uh, the metaverse. 
maybe picking up some real estate in the metaverse. I think that's going to be the way people are talking about NFTs this year. I think in 12 to 24 months, people are going to be talking about the metaverse in the same way. Hmm. Very interesting. So are you looking at Decentraland? Are there are any particular metaverse? Like like Decentraland is the one that I'm following the most closely, but we're looking at a few of them. The one I'm most familiar with Decentraland, I think it's super cool that during uh, COVID they held a music festival. Um, mm-hmm. So like you can go in there with your avatar and, you know, you buy your ticket and you go in a field and you can listen to like, you know, a pretty cool DJ spinning, uh, spinning. Um, I just think that the whole idea is pretty wild that you have, you know, if I walk into, I'm in Toronto, but if I walk through my city, COVID and Amazon have killed the traditional real estate model where, you know, I, I see all these for lease signs everywhere I walk, empty stores. And when I think about the potential here for the metaverse, which is you have a collection of people who are like-minded with their avatars and you're walking around and you have money to spend um, and the land size is limited, right? I mean, the central land is what the size of like Washington city or something. It's like, it's limited, similar to Bitcoin. There's going to be a scarcity value there. And so owning this land and being able to develop it and create an amazing experience for the users and the people that are walking by, I find a really interesting cross section between real real estate, which is kind of fading and kind of where the future of real estate is, which is going to be these, these worlds where you have all these people with money looking to spend it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Andrew, no, if you I, were I, to get any, uh, Logan, you mind if I take this, ahead, I, have, I have a follow-up yeah, question to this. Uh, we're lagging a little bit, so I'm, I'm sorry I if I tell. cut you off sometimes, Logan. Um, but Andrew, so if you guys do end up picking up uh, digital real estate, stay in Decentraland or the Sandbox or whatever, do you guys plan <laughs> on developing the land and trying to monetize it like you do with your other investments? Or would this be more of a, a speculative investment for you guys? No, we would want to monetize it. We same same thing. Buy stuff that we can generate revenue from. So you know, I know I think it's in Decentraland, Galaxy Digital. Um, there's areas you can walk by, and they've partnered with. I think it was Candy, but you can walk by and see like a billboard for Galaxy Digital. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of value there, and that you have what three and a half million people using Decentraland right now, and you can walk by. You can use it as a digital space. The zoning rules are pretty light. So can I create some kind of gaming, maybe a casino? If, if you do it again, there's different things that you can do to create a user experience there where they, they'll want to spend money. My ultimate dream is to create a, uh, a real estate investment trust, like a REIT that pays out a dividend to shareholders, but it's entirely based on digital real estate. Hmm. I think we lost Ryan, um, but I love that idea of creating a, a, a- a metaverse read. I think that has a huge potential. I know um, I've said this before on the show, but I've, I've heard someone like Gary V mentioning that there could be more jobs in the metaverse than in the real world uh, looking long term. And that just blew my mind, um, especially with the, with the advent of things like basic attention token when users are being uh, finally might be able to be paid for their data, paid for their time online, feeding these huge algorithms. Um, it's going to be crazy to see where the metaverse goes and how much potential value could be unlocked um, within it. So I want to toss it to Brian now uh, for this question I just highlighted. <clears throat> so uh, what made you decide to move from, I, I heard you were doing a lot of mining and Bitcoin mining and everything like that, from mining yeah. to doing the tokens.com aspect? Yeah, so there's two main things that I, I really hated. So when I was I was the CEO of Hut8, uh, um, which is, like I said, it's a great company. They're one of the largest miners in North America, one of the largest public miners. And what I really hated is uh, every quarter you have to depreciate the hardware. And so you guys obviously know to be a miner, you got to order this, your stuff primarily out of China. And it's got about a four-year lifespan. And that's because the, as the hash rate keeps okay. moving up, you can only produce so much. It becomes obsolete. Um so I was always having this big depreciation where at the end of the four years, your, your hardware isn't really worth anything. The other thing I hated was uh, I would have at least one call a week from the media or environmentalists and they would tell me that Bitcoin was cool, but I was destroying the planet. And so it was kind of a combination of those things that I started looking around and saying, what else is out there? And, and I came across staking and I think staking was really created to improve upon proof of work. It was created as a, like, what are the flaws with crypto mining? And how do you improve them? And staking uses 99.9% less electricity because it's based on ownership, not amassing processing power. 
So that's a win. And the second win is you can't do DeFi really on, on mining because it's too slow. And that's the problem ETH is having. And that's why they're migrating to staking. Um, so when you look at sort of like where the puck is going or where the, the future, they said nobody builds anything on, on crypto mining proof of work technology anymore. It was like, okay, I've built this company. It's doing well. It's positioned to, to succeed. But I want to build something new here, whereas I think things are going next. I got you. That makes sense. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. With um, what do you think about so the Binance Smart Chain and ETH, uh, Ethereum going Ethereum going to proof of stake and all that other stuff? Where do you think all that's going to turn in the next five years? What do you see foresee for the future of everything we've just already talked about? Really? Yeah. So again, my purely my opinion. I think outside of Bitcoin. Um, in three years, you'll see, look at the top hundred blockchains and they'll be like out of the top hundred, like 95 of them will be all proof of stake. I think, you know, crypto mining is, is, is yeah. going to be the way of the past. I think you're going to see a, a split and we've started seeing that a little bit this week, but I think Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin is not a, a DeFi crypto. We all, we, we know that and understand that. I mean, there's Lightning Network maybe that could go in and change that. I know that's what um, they're trying to do over at, at Square Jack Dorsey. But generally speaking, it's probably just going to be like the digital gold and it's going to start trading on its own. Hmm. Over the last few years, everything sort of hits the same. Like everything sort of hit all-time highs like early May. Then everything dropped at the same time. I think what you're going to see happen is there's going to be a split, a bifurcation between Bitcoin as a the OG crypto that doesn't do a lot of the store value and it's still great and awesome. But then all of these other things that actually have applications and don't use electricity. Um, eventually, I, you know, I don't think it'll happen in the next 24 months, but I do think it'll happen in within 48 months. I do think ETH will flip Bitcoin. Agreed. Yeah, I think I, I've told Logan before, too. I've told Brian, I think there's probably like a third chance that it flips this market cycle. But of course, that's just dubious speculation. But the use cases are definitely there for it. Yeah. I mean, what is it? 80% of all DeFi products right now are still being built on ETH. Despite yeah. there being a lot of other good alternatives, people continue to, to use you know ETH. And you know, you could saw the same thing. Remember all those Bitcoin forks? It was Bitcoin Lite, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin SV. Mm -hmm. Those all were supposed to be improvements on Bitcoin because they would process faster. The blocks contain more data. There's a whole bunch of stuff in it. They never took off. And so you might have a similar thing here that as ETH evolves to, to staking and ETH 2.0, that it'll just become more dominant. That's a good point. But even with ETH 2.0, transaction fees may be higher than some of these competitors, say like Solana and Binance Smart Chain. Of course, you're paying yep. that price for the added security and the robust mm -hmm. network of Ethereum. But how do you see this playing out with retail investors? Do you think that they'll actually care about decentralization and want to use Ethereum's network because it is the most secure? Or do you think that other projects like Solana and Binance Smart Chain will gain these retail investors who might be priced out of Ethereum? Uh, I do think that they're going to gain traction. Um, ultimately, like when somebody goes to, you know, Ave or, or Pancake or whatever, I don't know that they actually care who's behind it. I think they're looking at, you know, fees and, 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 and how they can maximize their, you know, their borrowing, lending or trading or whatever it is they're doing. And, and ultimately, people act in their best economic interest. So ETH, as long as it continues to do what it does, if it becomes too uneconomical relative to its competitors, will lose market share. Um, and I think that's inevitable. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's, it's really hard to predict. Like you're saying, like, this is a real pivotal time, I think, in crypto because you do have all these things that are up and coming, the Solanas, the Cardanos, um, all these different things that are challenging ETH. And we'll see in the next you know, six to 12 months if there actually is adoption into those um, the way people are expecting and pricing into the tokens. So um, when do you see ETH 2.0 launching and do you think it's going to affect the uh, proof of stake and everything that we have? Like, do you think it's going to affect Not all the, the proof of stake chains you mean? Yeah. Sorry, can you repeat that? Okay. <laughs> Whenever you when, when will you be able to successfully upgrade or launch? So ETH 2.0 has already launched. So we're staking it right now. We own about uh, over 2,500 ETH 2.0 that we're staking and earning. And the, if you, I mean, there's lots of sites you can look at, you can look at, but 
the the adoption is is moving pretty quickly. I think at the last estimate, I saw that it's probably about another 24 months before the it's it's kind of a, a slow progression. It's not going to it's not an overnight flip into staking. I think it's a, a flipping into the ETH. The other thing is when you're staking ETH, there's a, a like a locked period or a bonding period. Yeah, which right. I think this is really interesting and will help appreciate the value of ETH. And here's why: mining which is predominantly how ETH is, is secured right now, how the blocks are validated. You have to still sell your ETH as a miner to pay for your electricity and your, your hardware, right? If you use as a staking company or as a staking uh, token, the money stays within the ecosystem. As a staker, I never have to sell my ETH to pay for stuff in the outside world. I can keep it in there and continue accumulating it and compounding it. And I think that's really smart decision because if you look at what's happened in, in Bitcoin, during the crash, all the miners, the Bitcoin miners were like mining, had to meet their costs. They were taking all of selling their Bitcoin as quickly as they could to pay for their fiat costs. Mm-hmm. In staking, the money stays within crypto because you know what? It was a really bad idea that you have to sell your crypto in order to pay for validating it. This allows it to all stay within the ecosystem, which means less selling pressure, hopefully. What do you think that yeah, means for all these ETH? What do you think that means for all the ETH quote unquote killers out there that are trying to be a better version of, you know, a POS Ethereum? Yeah, I always say P- POS, tricky, tricky uh, acronym, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think they all function the same. So they all have different hold periods. So for example, DOT is 28 days. ETH is a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally speaking, they, they're, they're all different but similar. And so they all keep, as a, as a staking tokens, they all keep their tokens within their own ecosystem. Um, so I don't know that, that, that the staking aspect is really going to be what makes the decisions. I think it's just going to be the usability. But my perspective is ETH can't move to ETH 2.0 quickly enough um, because, you know, at the very least, you know, right now, Crypto mining is a bottleneck for ETH. It's like drinking water through a pinhole. Like it's, yeah. it's hard. It slows it down. You get the fees. Will that change? People sort of debate back and forth. But nonetheless, I think if ETH is going to survive, it has to migrate to staking quickly. Mm-hmm. And for sure, we'll see. We'll see optimism, Arbitrum, and all these layer twos uh, kind of help along the way until we can get that uh, the full sharding and the, the beacon docking. Um, so I have a question for you about regulation. How do you think the next few months are going to play out in Canada or or in the United States um, for the crypto markets, and and um, could this affect price action? Yeah, it always seems that when there's a rumor out there or the SEC comes out with something that there is a lot of um, movement on that. You, you know, it's a bit of a loaded question. Like, I think the key thing right now everyone's looking at is this, this Coinbase SEC battle, right? Mm-hmm. And I always say follow the money. And if you look at, you know, who sort of backs and influences the SEC, it's the banks. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that they're like, you're not allowed to lend money. People are not allowed to make money what was it, 2.8% that they're offering? Like yeah, it wasn't like... 4%. It wasn't, 4%, it wasn't anything it wasn't crazy. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't something crazy. But if you were a bank, this has got to be pretty intimidating, right? And I know even from our company, you know, sending a wire, if you've ever had to send a wire through a bank, you have to get it there by like 3 o'clock. If you don't get it there by 3, it's got to wait the next day. And then the money disappears for like 24 hours. And then you got to check, did it land, did it not land? It's a really silly system and they'll charge you like 50 to hundred bucks per transaction. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It's still pretty amazing that with, you know, I know ETH, the fees can be high, but even with, with Bitcoin that I can send any amount of Bitcoin almost anywhere in the world, 24 hours a day, anytime I want, I can do it within 10 to 20 minutes and it'll cost me like a dollar 50 if I pay for, you know, to prioritize it. Right. Like mm-hmm. the banking system, this is why DeFi in my mind is just going to be, the, it's just a massive game changer and wall street is embracing it. And Silicon Valley is embracing it. It's just like the traditional banks that are, I think they're really scared because they can see their business model no longer works, right? It's like being a taxi driver and trying to fight Uber. You know, eventually you will lose. Yeah. ACH is definitely an outdated system and just needs to go away. Just cash checking and all of that. So hopefully that changes. Man, have you ever tried to send money abroad? I remember, you know, I'm from Chile that you guys pointed out. So sometimes I, I'll, I'll send, I wanted to send some fiat to like my cousins or something as a gift. 
like you go, you got to fill out pieces of paper, the SWIFT system and like, what's that bank's code? And then it's got to go through a bunch of other banks. By the time it gets there, you've lost 10% of your money through yeah. all the different fees and it takes four to six days, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, it's like a, it's like using a, a, a buggy and horse, you know, to get around, right? Like that's, it's an old system. And then today, like the technology is here. I should be able to send money to anybody in the world that I want within 15 minutes and not have to pay more than $5 and lose 10% of what I'm sending. Boom. Exactly. I mean, it, it makes sense today. And looking back, it's it, like you said, the horse and buggy is a perfect analogy there. Uh, there's really no. And, and Jewish finance certainly should be scared. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and proof of work tokens should be scared too. all the stuff. Like, I mean, I, the majority of the proof of work tokens are there, but all these like Bitcoin forks, like, are, are they going to become a, a less relevant? I know they use them for some testing, but no one's programming anything on, you know, some of these things that I am aware of it. Cause it would be kind of no. like creating an app for a flip phone, right? It's like, it's a dying market. Only Dogecoin right now, but you know, that's yeah, just true. part of it, but you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, all those were created before the proof of stake model came out. So, yeah. Huh. Andrew, do you think that we could ever see a proof of stake Bitcoin? Do you think that the, that network has the ability to make an upgrade of that size? So I'm not the most technical guy. I'll give you my opinion. I, I put this down on Twitter once and man, like Bitcoin maximals are so fanatical. Like they go crazy, like literally start getting so much hate messages. I do think at some point in four to five years when the, the energy use in Bitcoin, the hash rate goes up, I think there could be potential consideration and people may hate this maybe there's some kind of a hard fork or something into something that uses less electricity or staking similar to what ETH has done. Um, but I think there's going to be, again, I don't understand the, the technicalities behind it, but I'm pretty sure if like the entire Bitcoin ecosystem got together and said, let's fork this into something with the same value, but that has uh, more processing power and is uses less energy, there might be support. There isn't today. Um, I think it's like sacrilege and people listening to me would be like, you're crazy. that'll never happen. And, you know, but I just think that, that the hash rate is going to continue to go up. And at some point there's going to be more and more pressure. Like, you know, you got some real fanatical people on the other side of the United States, like Elizabeth Warren, who are like wanting to shut crypto down. And so at some point, you know, Bitcoin has an optics problem. It's got like a reputation problem. I think they need to figure out something to do as a community beyond just like the Bitcoin council that Michael Saylor started to talk to Elon Musk. If the technology is there to use less electricity, then I think that the Bitcoin developers and people behind it should, should explore that. Yeah, well, Bitcoin is certainly not new to having these, uh, uh, you know, public appearance problems. They've been called all, all sorts of things since inception. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to see public embracement long term. Uh, I think a, a, as, you know, Ryan and my generation continue to grow up and, you know, well, then become <laughs> a bigger part of the market than my frozen. No, you're, no, you're just rude. What? Yeah, Brian's a boomer. <laughs> Go um, on. Jeez. Uh, I, I think our, our generation is, is more crypto native. And I think that we'll see this um, play out pretty well long term. Uh, and and I, I think that you agree. Um, but Andrew, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Uh, it was insightful and we'd love to have you back on in the future. Before we wrap up, I just want to open the floor up to you to give any shout outs or, or leave the audience with any final thoughts you have. Yeah, I would just say if you want to uh, check out tokens.com, um, we've got some good information on there. I think if someone was looking to get exposure to crypto but didn't want to go through the process of setting stuff up, I think we're a really great alternative for people to consider. We started trading in the U.S. today under OTC. Um, and so now we are trading in Europe, Canada, and the U.S. So, um, yeah, take, take, look us up. Link is in the description below. Go check it out, guys. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, hope welcome, you guys. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Andrew. All righty. Uh, Mahesh, let me grab that link for you. It is in the description below. It's tokens.com. Pretty simple. Um, yeah, so what did you guys think uh, of the interview today? What did you guys think of, of tokens.com? I think there's definitely, I mean, there's clearly there's clearly a need for it. There's clearly a demand for it. Lots of people don't want to go through the hassle, hassle of custodying their own crypto uh, and, and 
you know, trying to figure out how to earn interest on all these different platforms, how to stake on all these different networks, how many wallets you have to keep track of. Um, I mean, I think it's a good product and clearly it's been very successful. I like it better than uh, how Grayscale does it um, in the Uh, sense that they have the huge markup. I don't like that you think that millennials aren't ready for crypto and it's only Gen Z, but we can talk about that later. Uh, go because back to eating your avocado. Spend all, all their man. money on avocado toast. How are they supposed to buy Bitcoin? <laughs> but you guys weren't even born when Bitcoin was around. Yeah, you're right. That's a good. I point. know. You got me there. Yeah. I wasn't born until last week, so. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I'm you're pretty 15, new to this I whole thought, thing. Right? <laughs> oh, gee, jeez, Ryan. <laughs> all right, oh, you, you want to do a, a moon or bust today? We have about 60 seconds left. Uh, I saw someone talking about V Chain earlier. Maybe we could talk about that. Link. Uh, I don't think we, we haven't, we haven't done love. Tezos. No, we 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 talked about V Chain a couple of times, but I don't think we've talked about Tezos at all. Maybe we should talk about Tezos. They've been popping off lately. A lot of these uh, different these other projects that like kind of got left behind from Ethereum blowing up and Binance Smart Chain blowing up and everything like that. There's some pretty cool things that are going to happen, and I think a lot of people believe that you know it, it's only going to be Bitcoin, it's only going to be Ethereum. But there's so much. There's a lot of people in the world. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of people into different things. So I think there's room, more than enough room for everybody to get a piece of the pie. Guys, my my uh, birth certificate exists on chain only i am an on-chain asset in case you were wondering i was minted not born <laughs> uh, okay so here we go here's tezos uh, y'all are too funny um here's tezos let's pull up the seven day the one month it is certainly on a tear let's see how it's been doing since the beginning of the year Ooh, looks like we're in price discovery mode this might be a good time to pick some up um, Tezos is another smart contract blockchain. Um, it's not talked about a whole lot, but it is in the top 30 uh, market cap of $6.6 billion. Um, do you guys hold any Tezos? What do you think about it? I, I don't hold any, but I do like it um, in the sense that, I, I, like I just said, I think there's room for a lot of these others to grow and to get to the potential you know, really big returns down the line. I don't hold any Tezos. It's definitely an interesting project. And at $6.6 billion market cap, you could see a 10x by the end of the market Mm. cycle, in my opinion. That would bring it to $66 billion market cap. Very expensive, but still quite a bit less than Cardano. And I do think Tezos has smart contracts on it, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they do. Um and yeah, so it looks like they're, they're, one of their defining features is the ability to upgrade without a hard fork. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a good thing. I've heard Vitalik make the argument that, that hard forks are actually more inclusive um, because you're not forced to adopt the upgrade like you are in a soft fork. Uh, you can choose to take the other path, but um, I'm sure that they have learned from all these years of blockchains and forks and they're doing something pretty cool i'm gonna have to uh dig in where i hold a little bit of tezos i really just picked it up because i heard people talking about it um but this was like a long time ago i I really haven't been active in the ecosystem since then but it's up 18 percent today so that's pretty cool um i'm gonna give this one a moon what do you guys think yeah i mean it's 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 one of the quote unquote old school and i use that in crypto in crypto uh years but it, it, yeah, I, I like it. It has a lot of room. <clears throat> it's just like up there with the other ones we were talking about today. There's definitely potential, and there's no reason why it would fail. I, I think it would fail. Mm-hmm. I'll give um, it its third moon, too. I mean, obviously, this asset sector is hot right now. Proof of stake, mm-hmm. smart contract, blockchains. That's where all the hype is right now. We've seen it with Cardano. We've seen it with all the other blockchains out there, Polkadot, Solana. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a much higher price of Tezos. So yes, I give it a moon. Awesome. And you guys can pick this up on, on Coinbase, uh, Kraken, I think. Um, we got some links in the description down below if you want a little sign-up bonus. If you're making a new account, go check those out. Um, but I'll stop with the promos. Silly me. Um, okay, so... chilling me, Logan Ross. <laughs> This whole thing is just a sponsored, sponsored advertisements. Uh, okay, that's enough. Um, Speaking of that's sponsored all we advertisement, 
follow oh, me on God Twitter. What? Check it out. That's that's all I got. Check us all out on Twitter. We'll give you some okay, dope cool. trade ideas. Uh, and, and speaking of checking other things out, stay tuned to Benzinga's YouTube channel. We got more great content coming up for you today. We got pre-market prep at the close. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the next show, if we got trivia beforehand, but whatever it is, stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. It will redirect you automatically. So don't go anywhere. Don't touch anything. Natushpa, thank you. This has been Moon or Bust, your home for all things, all coins and DeFi. We will see you on Wednesday with another sick interview. We have the Solana Phantom Wallet. You don't want to miss it. You guys got anything else? Any closing remarks for us? Not, Not yet. Too many Twitter followers lately, guys. I've been really sad about it. Been a little depressed. Jeez, Haven't man. been able to get out of bed every day oh. lately. So if you can, just it's just that Gen Z um, attitude that they have. Yeah, that's what it it's is. It's the Gen Z attitude. But yeah, I've been really mm. sad about it, guys. So cheer me up, please. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> on that note, we'll see you Wednesday. Dazzling. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.